I want to start with a question, and the question is this, what if I told you, um, what if I told you I was going to give you a free subscription to any streaming service that you wanted? You know, uh, which one would you want? Just yell out what you, or speak a, Apple Plus would be the one that Patrick would want. Others, what, what would you get? What would, which one would you? Disney, Disney Plus. Mm, Apple Plus, Disney Plus. Anything else? Hulu? Well, Amazon Prime? You, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Any other ones? Is there like any off ones? Like what? Paramount Plus. <laughs> Curious. Peacock. Yeah. Uh, who, who, has, who currently has Peacock? Anyone? Really? And is it worth it? The Office. Oh, yeah, because they took it away from Netflix. But they brought, they brought Seinfeld back to Netflix. But, you know, who's to say? They have soccer on Peacock? Cool. All right, cool. So have your streaming service in mind. All right, have your streaming service. Now, what if I told you that um, after I gave it to you, all you needed to do was to tune in to that streaming service to watch it? And I took care of all of it for you. It's all paid for. It's paid for a lifetime. It's in your name. All you need to do is log in and start watching. Now, what if your best friend came up to you a couple weeks later, and your best friend says to you, uh, so tell me about some of the new shows you've been watching on the streaming network. And you, uh, you know, what have you been watching? Chris, the generous, is so generous. Like, what have you been watching? Uh, and what if you responded and you said, oh, let me tell you the story about how I got the free streaming service, how I got Peacock. We're just going to use Peacock as the example from now. How, let me tell you the story about how I got Peacock. And you finish telling the story about how you got Peacock. I'm going to change it. I can't do that. I can't do that over and over. Then I'll get the streaming service. And then your best friend says to you, cool story, bro. So what story, uh, what shows have you been watching? And so instead of answering the question again, you repeat the story about how I gave you the free streaming service, and this time you do it with a little bit more passion and a little bit more emotion, with a few more details that you didn't include the first time. And your friend is starting to get a little exasperated with you. And so they go, just tell me what you watched on the TV. Just tell me what you watched on the TV. And you respond and you say, well, you know, to be honest, I've never turned it on. I actually never logged in and created the username. I've never, uh, I've never created the profile. I believe that the, that the streaming service works, although I've never tried it. I believe that it exists. It's, in fact, it's my duty to believe that the streaming service exists. Peacock exists. I believe that. The person you're talking to is going to be looking at you, and they're going to be totally confused. They're going to be totally like, it's going to be over there. Why, why won't they just tell me what they've been watching? Well, you know, uh, transition time. You know, this is a lot of what happens in the Christian life. Um, this is how a lot of Christians think about their walk with God. They believe in the existence of Jesus. They believe that heaven is a place that they can go where they die. Maybe even they talk about the time where they became a Christian and the circumstances surrounding their decision to become a Christian. But let me tell you this. The Christian life was never meant to be something that we know that just exists. 
The Christian life was meant to be experienced. And the Christian life from the very beginning was meant to be lived with real spiritual power. And it was meant to be lived with that real spiritual power through a personal relationship with Jesus. And you see, the God of the universe invites us uh, to begin to view the world through spiritual lenses where our mind and our hearts and our soul become awakened to the things that he's actually doing in the world. And so what happens is when we come into relationship with Jesus, we begin to see things that we never saw before. We begin to experience things that are coming from outside of our mind, that are coming from God that we never thought we could experience before. We're confident in ways that we were never confident before. We get a different perspective on our circumstances that helps us to walk through life in a healthier way. And here's the deal. This hallmark sign of Jesus' followers for the last 2,000 years, this is something that Jesus called being born again. The term born again, how many of you have heard the term born again before? None of this. Like, I need to know. Like, okay, cool. Okay. And if you haven't, that's fine. We're not going to be like, ha you don't know what it means, sucker. Uh, we're not that way. So if you don't know what it is, that's okay. But born again, uh, born again is a term that Jesus used. It's when we come in, I'm going to explain more of what it is. But first, I want to say that there's often a couple misconceptions about being born again and what it means. And I want to discuss two of them. The first major stereotype around being born again is that it means that you're a political conservative. And you vote for politically conservative candidates. Maybe you don't believe in science, or if you do believe in science, it's a minimal understanding of science. And people, especially in the secular media, uh, reduce the term born again to simply mean you only vote for certain candidates, or you're an advocate for prayer in public schools or things like that. And if you're brave enough to publicly wear the label of being born again, you run the risk of being called some brainless voting population. Uh, you're not well educated and you're not as enlightened as people who have learned to move past the archaic notions of a universe uh, guiding force. And, you know, these people, they might say, yeah, being born again, that's an old idea. Back when there were slaves and when women were second-class citizens and, you know, when people were a little weird, we used to take them and tie them up and burn them to the stake. Uh, uh, and I tell you, it's a bunch of hocus-pocus, y'all. But that's not what Jesus meant uh, by uh, it. Uh, Jesus never meant it to be a political team. And as a church, we don't believe in... Participating in, in participating in the political polarization that's happening in America. We won't do that. We refuse to do that. But there's another misconception about being born again that people have, and it's, uh, it comes from a lot of well-intentioned Christians. You know, for instance, if I ask somebody, uh, similar to the way the best friend may have asked you, you know, what have you been watching on TV? If I ask somebody, tell me what it felt like to become born again. Well, many times, the well-meaning Christian will begin to talk about something that they did themselves. They will talk about their decision 
to follow Jesus. They might mention their life and how they were in a bad way and how things weren't working out for them. They might recall the time and the place and the circumstances around their decision. And I love those stories. I love when someone is going one way and they experience God or they turn their life and they go a completely different way. I think of my story. I think of my parents' story. You maybe think of your stories. Each of us has a story. But that's not what Jesus meant when he was talking about being born again. Being born again is not something that we do. Being born again is something that God does in us. People, we've got to get this right. We've got to get this right. The word decision is not the same as the word benefits. There's a difference between the word decision and the word benefits. Let me give you an illustration. A few years ago, my wife and I got married, and on our wedding day, there was a decision to be married. We, made, we went to the altar, and there was a decision. We made a decision, and we committed in front of our fans and family. It wasn't on until later that day came some of the benefits. There's a difference between decision and benefits. There's a, dis there's a difference. And all the things that come with marriage, being connected, living together in one family, uh, like the ongoing care for one another, all that are the benefits. But that happened after the decision. There's a difference between decision and benefits. And being born again isn't primarily a description of our decision to follow Jesus. Born again describes the benefits of being a follower of Jesus. It describes the point at which God's power starts to enter into our lives. And the Bible is clear that our lives are supposed to shine, not because of anything that we do, but because of something God does in us. And I don't want us to miss this because some of us, can be, from time to time, walking around, not experiencing the benefits and the power of God that he invites us into. So I've called today's talk, The Wonder of God. I'm going to pray. We're going to take a look at a few verses, and then we're going to, we're going to wrap this up. So let's pray together. Will you join me in prayer? God, we welcome you here. We know that you're already here. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would be present, that you would begin to speak to people, that you would begin to guide us, uh, that you would help me to teach as I should. God, we want to understand what it is you have for us. So uh, we welcome you here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, luckily for us, there's a story in the life of Jesus that explains the concept of being born again. And if you have one of our little sheets, we gave you three pieces of paper inside of a piece of paper next to a piece of paper. If you grab one of them, you'll find that it has some of the, uh, the Bible verses that we're looking at. And we're looking in one of the books of the Bible. It's called John. And we're looking in John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, there's a story about a man named Nicodemus. Nicky boy, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a teacher. He was a respected teacher. And people loved him. And people listened to his opinion. And he saw that Jesus was doing miraculous signs. He was going out uh, and healing people. And he was teaching the people with power. And they go, Jesus, you're so different than some of the other teachers we've seen. And Nicodemus is really curious. And he's really interested in what uh, Nicodemus is really interested in what Jesus has to say. And so what he does is he, said, he arranges a meeting with Jesus. But he does it at night. Because his reputation is on the line. 
He's like, I'm not going to meet with you during the day. I'm going to meet with you under the cover of darkness in a quiet place because I'm a little nervous about associating with you. I want to know what your message is, but I'm not really sure I want to be associated with it yet. And so this is the story, part of the story. In John chapter 3, you can follow along with me. Now, there was a man, there was, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, Nicodemus had undoubtedly heard that Jesus was talking about something called the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? Well, what Nicodemus was coming up in the religious system, it was one of two things. Kingdom of God was also synonymous with one idea called the kingdom of heaven, which means you know, this is where you go when you die. Um, the second idea of kingdom of God that Pharisees like Nicodemus believed was that it meant something that there was going to be a Messiah, a strong leader that was going to come to Israel, and they were going to throw out the Romans, and then this person was going to set up himself as the leader, the king of the nation. And so those are the ways people used to think about the kingdom of God. But Jesus responds to Nick's kind of coming to him, he goes, you've got it all wrong. See, Nick was given an answer, but the answer didn't make any sense. And so Nicodemus is getting a, a lesson from Jesus because Jesus is addressing one of the old ways of thinking that Nicodemus believed. Nicodemus believed that you had to be born into the right family to know God. You had to have the right lifestyle and follow all the religious rules in order for God to love you. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. It's not because of your good choices. It's not because you keep the kosher laws. Nicodemus, it's not because you're a really great theological articulator of all the things of the old scriptures. It's not anything you might do. The kingdom of God requires that you enter, and the kingdom of God requires that you must be born again. And so you can almost hear Jesus leveling with Nicodemus. He's like, Nicodemus, if you want to experience my kingdom, if you really want to experience me, well, that's something that God has to do in you. God does it in you. You see, to be born again means that everything that we've been taught about God suddenly comes to life, that we suddenly get to experience it in a direct and personal way with God. And it starts when the Spirit of God enters into our lives. 
And being born again means that our spiritual eyes are open to things that we couldn't see before. And Jesus is saying is that it's something that God does in us. He does it in us. He is the one who initiates it. You don't initiate it. He already initiates it. He's the one who initiates. We don't make it happen for ourselves, but we simply choose to welcome him in. And in doing so, like I said, our spiritual eyes are open. Now, sometimes when we begin to experience the Holy Spirit, different things start to happen. Some of us, we start to feel an incredible amount of peace in our minds, in our hearts. Some of us, we begin to feel something physically in our bodies. For others of us, when the Spirit of God is starting to talk to us, we start to experience emotions that are welling up from some place that we never knew existed before. We're like, Why are, where are all these emotions coming from? Some of us have an intense hunger to start doing things we never did before, like reading the Bible. I uh, think of one of my friends, Sean, different Sean. I just want to, you know, I think of one of my friends, Sean. He describes the experience of when he started, when he turned his life to Jesus. He moved, started moving towards Jesus. And when he started to experience the Holy Spirit for the first time, he says that, you know, there was a moment, he would try to read the Bible before it, and he couldn't understand what the Bible had to say. And then after the Holy Spirit came into his life, all of a sudden he could. He could understand the Bible. He understood what God was doing through the Bible. He started to see the historical arc that God was building throughout the Bible. And, and the reason he said, and he said, here's what he said, specifically he said that he believed that the Holy Spirit started to influence his mind so that he could understand the Bible. And from that wisdom, he changed. His life changed. He went from being a guy that was kind of like in trouble with the law in high school. He was in and out of uh, some rehab places. He, uh, you know, it, it, so he went from that, and he started to apply the Bible to different parts of his life as the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. And he went from a troubled kid with a few problems here and there uh, to a changed person. He went from addiction to emotional and physical health. He went from a troubled youth that would pick fights with people for no reason to being a guy that's married with a job and two kids and, like, having a really healthy relationship with all the people in his life. And look, listen to this. Uh, when we started this church, uh, well, we, we relaunched the church. And then there was, like, this period of time when we weren't allowed to meet in person because of the COVID. Uh, but before that, when we started this church three years ago, uh, this guy, Sean, uh, came to us and, um, you know, he wrote us a massive check. The largest, the single largest, largest check this church ever get, got from a single outside donor, uh, from, from someone that doesn't go to the church because he lived in a different state. He gave this huge check and we're like, gee, thanks. This doesn't benefit you at all. Why are you giving us this money? And he said to us, look, it has nothing to do with it. It's not about you, Chris. It's what God has done in me. And I believe in the church, and I believe in what God's doing in the world. And I'm just floored by that because I was like, who does this? Well, it's obviously somebody that goes from being an addicted kid with problems with the law, not liking his parents, to like, here, I'm going to write large checks for churches outside of my state. How does that happen? How does that start to, uh, how, how do you begin to even process that? 
That is something that the Holy Spirit does. He changes us from the inside out. There's power in Sean's walk with God. There's something that God did there. And, it, and it's more, let's, let's talk about you. Uh, let's talk about what the Spirit does with you. When you experience the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see the world in new ways. You're going to begin to see a deeper contentment with life, even though maybe some of your immediate circumstances haven't changed. You might be in debt. You're still going to have to climb out of debt. You might have a problem with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or in a marriage. You might haven't maybe haven't talked to your mom in two years. Or what, there's still issues in your life. They don't just automatically get wiped away. We're still human, but God does start to bring a deeper sense of connect, uh, contentment that we weren't experiencing before. You might actually start to experience compassion for people who are suffering and in need. You're like, you know what? I never noticed that person or that group of people or these type of people are left out. They're marginalized in our city. Never even noticed them before. But all of a sudden, I have this compassion. Well, sometimes that compassion inserted into your mind wasn't your good idea. That sometimes it's the Holy Spirit that's doing that. Some of us begin to start, when we start experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time, we start praying for people because we don't know any better. And we're like, someone will be sick, and we'll go up to them, and we'll lay hands on them because that's what they did in the Bible. And you start experiencing the spirit, power of the Spirit for the first time. You're laying hands on someone. You're like, well, in the Bible, they heal people. Why don't we do that? So you start laying hands on people, and you start seeing people healed. Did you know that a lot of new people that come to faith in Christ, that become born again early on, they actually see some of the most miracles because they haven't been taught uh, otherwise? It's the Christians who have been Christians for a long time uh, that are going, oh, no, we don't do that. But the, the newer Christians, the people who come to faith, they start experiencing the power of the Spirit. They start praying for people because they're, well, it's in the Bible. We might, let's do this stuff. And they start seeing God do things. So sometimes people that experience the power of the Spirit start praying for people, and they start seeing miracles. From everything that we understand about the Bible and everything we understand about being born again, Everything we know about Jesus and all the other writers of the Bible, being born again seems to be the spiritual portal through which everything else flows. And I guess, here's what I got to say. Here's what this means for you. You must be born again if you want to experience the power of the Spirit. Now, being born again, the Holy Spirit entering into your life, how I just described, it's a bit of a mystery. It's not just... Um, it's not just something that, uh, you know, it, it's something that God does, but we also see that it's something that we have to invite God to do. You see, God's never going to force himself on you. God's never going to make you do something that you don't want to do. Unlike your parents when you were a child, they made you do things that you didn't want to do. But God, our Father, treats you with a certain amount of respect. He will never make you do something that you don't want to do. And if you don't want to experience him, then you don't have to. So let me just share with you, though, who, this, uh, who is welcome to ask for this gift from God. Um, is it an exclusive thing? Is it only for certain people who look a certain way or vote a certain way? No, no. It's not as Nicodemus assumed. Nicodemus assumed that it was only people born in the right families who are super religious. And, you know, who's welcome to welcome the kingdom of God in their life? Well, um, 
here it is. God's main concern, God's main concern is not making everyone's life easier, although he does bring peace, he does bring freedom. God's main concern is not healing everybody, although he does heal people. Even when Jesus was on earth, he didn't heal everybody. All right, so like there wasn't like he was healing everyone. And this church, we pray for healing. We've seen people healed. We will continue to do that because we think that God is still active and at work here today. He's not making uh, interested in making Christians wealthy, although some people are wealthy and some people aren't, and that happens. But you need to understand God's main concern because it's attached to who can ask. God's main concern is clear. God's main concern is people coming to know him as uh, as, as the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. That's his main concern. That's what's most important to him right now. That's what he's up to. And the prayer that God answers every single time from every single person, regardless of who they are or what they've done or their family history, it is this prayer. It is, God, I am missing something. And God, I've missed the mark, and I want to welcome you into my life. I'm turning away from the things that make me run my own life, and I'm looking to you. God, I want your help. You know something? That is the prayer that God answers 100% of the time. He never says to somebody who calls on his grace and mercy, he never says no. He never holds it over their head and says, ha-ha, now you're finally coming to me. He never holds it over their head. He says yes to everybody who invites him in because that's his primary concern. And this is the beginning. This is the portal. This is the start of something that Jesus calls being born again. So, um, are you guys with me? Should I keep going? Can, can, okay, let's just, you know, you know, you can yell out and, you know, in an inappropriate way if you want to. Um, or an appropriate way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, folks, we need the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is with us, that's when we begin to experience his power. And when I look around our city, I see people who are looking for hope. I see people who are looking for healing. And some of those people are even looking at church. They're looking at Christianity. And many of them are examining Christianity. And they've got a lot of, like, genuine questions. Like, is this real? You know, did, you know what do we... Uh, <laughs> Do we really believe that Jesus came back from the dead? Do you guys really believe that? How can I trust the Bible? And these are genuine questions and concerns. I get that. You know, people want to know if the God of Christianity is credible. And many Christians, like you and I, we do the hard work of learning to answer those questions. We learn the skills necessary to articulate our faith, which is really good. And by the way, there's people like Timothy Keller who've wrote, written really great books called The Reason for God that help us to explain our faith in a very rational way, in a very intelligible and a credible way. And, uh, you know, that's really important stuff, and we don't want to miss that. This is important. But we can't miss out on the other piece. And the other piece which is regardless of your personal confidence to be able to articulate your, uh, and share your faith in a persuasive way, regardless of how somebody might be responding to your answers regarding the virgin birth or the credibility of the scriptures, 
or how long did it take to create the world? I mean, tell me about creation and tell me about science and how does that work? You know, we, you, can't, you can't miss out on this. The reason that doesn't, that's important, but there's something we can't miss in this, is that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a supernatural way to provide evidence that God is at work in the world. The Holy Spirit has been given to you and me so that we, they can actually see that God is at work in us. And so we might not be very good at articulating certain things about the faith, but the Holy Spirit is meant to be with you and give you power. And so when someone looks at your life, and they're an intelligent person, and they have questions about creation, and did Jesus come back from the dead, and all those things, they might, you know, they might, you know, they might have those questions, and they should maintain those questions. They, they'll have a lot of questions, but also they might say, wow, there's something different about this person's life. There's something different about her life qualitatively. There's something different about the way he does his work at his work or the way he conducts himself in our neighborhood. There's something different. And you know what? I might not be ready to be a Christian. I'm not sure what I believe, but if I was a Christian, I would want to make sure what she ha- I have what she has. Or I would want to make sure I have what he has. The greatest credibility we can provide to someone who's looking for faith is our own lives. It's our own lives, folks. And our own lives, we don't have to look any further than the gift of being born again. The power of the Spirit is with us. So let's not miss this. Let's be the kind of church that continues to welcome God's Spirit. 